Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ready to go. Outkick 360 is back and underway alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Jam-packed show today. News and notes across the NFL on some of the coaching openings. Nine openings, and they may be closing soon. We'll get to that news. We've got Dan Dockett from Outkick.com and... Of course, don't at me with Dan Dockich each morning across the Outkick Network. He'll be with us today, coming up at 320 Central, 420 Eastern. Always an energetic and fun-paced chat with Dan. Looking forward to that. Plus, uh, we get into three big things to watch as the game plans and all of the hype begin for AFC and NFC Championship Weekend. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Excited for another big day on the show. Um, excited for primary complaint a little bit later. I was thinking uh, earlier this morning, need to come up with a primary complaint, and then thought to myself, oh yeah, I went on a little mini vacation this weekend. So I had plenty of source material <laughs> and uh, came up with a good one. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to everything we have in store today. Pauly? Ready to roll. Ready to roll. Uh, Wednesday. So, uh, there's still a lot left from those games, but it's time to start looking forward to these these games Sunday and uh, a little baseball to, to talk about that injects itself into the conversation. So, you know, it's uh, significant when you're talking baseball during a, a lockout in uh, in January. Uh, a lot of thoughts on that. I'm sure all three of us have. And uh, let's do it. Well, it starts with Antonio Brown last night. We left you yesterday saying we were anticipating going and watching uh, Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel in the interview with Antonio Brown, where the, the big piece of information that you're going to read about and discuss today is that Brown and his attorney who's sitting with him claimed that Tampa Bay offered them $200,000, offered Brown $200,000 to basically go to the non-injury list, the non-football injury list for the remainder of this football year. Um, until the new league year would begin, he would be paid 200k to, as as he put it in no 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 un, no certain way, keep his mouth shut on whatever was going on behind the scenes, which he claims is them hiding his injury, uh, and then forcing Toradol on him to play through the injury, and he's saying all this, and and uh, his attorney is sitting there, Chad with with Gumbel, confirming everything that that Antonio is saying, and. As I'm sitting there watching, I'm thinking, well, now we get to hear from Tampa Bay on this. Yeah, I don't understand the motivation for hiding an injury. Like, if he's hurt and you ultimately put him on IR, that's a way to quiet him as well. He goes away if he's on IR. Unless there's an injury guarantee. Well, he's, you know, he's claiming that they're trying to force me to play when I physically can't, 
and all I'm doing is saying my ankle hurts too bad, I can't go in. And then when he says that, Bruce Arians is saying GTFO and get out of here if you're not going to play. And then, uh, but there's obviously conflicting stories here. I thought Bryant Gumbel did a terrific job of bringing every contradiction to light Mm -hmm. with Antonio Brown and saying, hey, you know, given your history, do you understand why people are skeptical that this is all playing out exactly the way that you said it? Oh, this is a flat-out lie that Bruce Arians said this or that you said this back to him. Talked about not getting the the, the ball enough at halftime, complaining about that, complaining about his bonus, that he wasn't going to get there because he wasn't getting the ball enough. Completely denied that. Um... I thought he looked completely messed up in this interview. I'm no medical expert. I'm not going to comment on mental health situation. He didn't seem right in his right state of mind. I've seen Antonio Brown do interviews before where he looked uh, a little bit more clear. Yeah, I would say he, say he had a the glossy look to him. He had a very intoxicated look to him. Uh, I don't know on what, but his laughter was weird. I don't know what he was looking at. Half the time on the screen, he was looking at something different than his attorney was, and uh, he was laughing in the middle of questions from from uh, Gumble. I mean, read into it as, as you will. I, I, I'm watching this thing, and it is so uncomfortable. And I am so uncomfortable for the attorney that's, have, that's not having to. He's decided to do this. He's volunteered. But that's representing Antonio Brown in this and him trying to clean up what he's saying. It was very forced, awkward, uncomfortable and I come away from this interview on real sports thinking I don't buy a thing that this guy is saying and the first time that I heard the story I thought it sounds plausible these are these are all believable accusations and things going on and then I watch Antonio Brown say it and try to give give everyone a recollection of what happened and I find myself buying his story even less mess up by me and that I didn't see it so I'm, I'm relying on you guys I'm not surprised by anything you're saying how is somebody forced to take Tordal? I've been around the league for a good while. I've talked to guys about Tordal. If, if you choose to take it, you get in line. Well, the, he didn't say that he was forced to take it. He was saying that they shot me up with Tordal twice, and that makes the effects harder to notice on the ankle. Right. That's so exactly my ankle, why you take it. My, I wasn't feeling the well, pain, and then that. I'm realizing my ankle is really messed up. As I'm watching it, Paul, He's I'm no thinking kid. there has to be some financial incentive for him to claim he was hurt. And Tampa saying that you're medically cleared, like there there has to be some type of injury guarantee or something that that he would claim that Tampa didn't want to pay with what two weeks left in the regular well, season. I mean, he's a veteran. His and remainder wanted, of his contract is guaranteed at that. Well, point. not the bonuses again. Not, not the bonus. And that's what Schefter and Rappaport tweeted out that day after he walked out. Was that week he had gone to them trying to get them to guarantee the bonus money. That he was trying, he was he was very close to hauling in, you know, a couple extra hundred thousand dollars. Right, but that the bonuses are designed to protect the team from exactly this situation. A guy gets hurt, can't play, right. doesn't reach those incentives, doesn't earn that money. The team's protected from a guy missing games for injury, and the guy's incentive is to, you know, it sounds silly, quote unquote, stay healthy so that you can right. be on the field to earn that incentive. The contradictions. The, the biggest one to me was something that happened in the middle of the interview and then what happened at the end of the interview when he was asked about the bonus money and did the bonus play into this at all? Were you complaining about targets at halftime that you weren't getting the ball enough? And I'm paraphrasing, but Antonio Brown said something like, I'm not worried about that money. I've played 12 years in the NFL. I got plenty of money. I don't need money. 
And then in the end, when just the possibility of a lawsuit comes up, Antonio Brown jumps in over his attorney and says, oh, we're suing them for all sorts of money, as much as we can get. That's what we're going to sue Tampa Bay for. And I'm thinking, for defamation. Weird, weird that you don't need any money and the bonus money didn't play a factor at all, but the moment a whisper from Bryant Gumbel is put into the universe about a possible lawsuit, you jump all over that and said, we're going to get as much money as we can about defamation because they're putting out there my mental health, which my mental health is fine, and saying this and messing with mental health isn't right, and I'm going to go and try to get my money. I'm here to tell you, uh, watching Antonio Brown, reading into his lifestyle and things that have been reported about him, the man needs money. He can play oh, in the NFL I mean, as long as he wants. It, I, I that's guarantee the motivating you, factor. I guarantee you, though, he has not been wise with his money. And a big motivation with this is not just to get more money. It's because he needs the money. It's also why he's tweeting out Instagram or posting Instagram pictures of him in a Baltimore Ravens jersey. Because he wants to get back in the league because, <coughs> guess what? He wants to make money. And he needs to make money. I, I'm not confused at all that it was jumbled. Uh, not surprised at all that it was jumbled that he's contradicting himself uh, and all of that guys what hurts tied him is up his, and stuff like this timeline. always sound like that. it's not just this one incident that so if let's rewind two years if this happens in oakland what is the media's reaction to it versus it happened with arians and the bucks if it happens with oakland Two years ago. If it happens with Gruden, you're saying? First, the race. first stop when he gets out of Pittsburgh. I think there's a lot more people race. that would buy into John Gruden maybe being the type that would say, get out of here if you're not going to play on an internet. I, see, I think the thing that hurts his credibility here it's is how time. things ended there, then, then New England, and then, of course, ends up in Tampa and plays a year and a half without much incident, right? But all that plays a factor yeah. in how we're viewing this. I also think just... He's you a know, repeat offender. It's just more... It, it, you're right. It's more believable because of everything that's happened between those two points in time. It's also, I think, less believable because of Bruce Arians and his reputation in the league. I, I don't know. I think more people probably would have jumped on. Yeah, that sounds right. You know, John Gruden may be forcing someone out there on a bad ankle to play and, and, and saying something like that. Well, just the organization just perception. Yeah, and the Raiders right. versus Tampa Bay. I, but that, it, That's not me knocking the Raiders. I'm just saying but that, also, that's the view. That's the perception. But if it happened with the Raiders, the Lions, the Bucks, the Jags, the Jags under Urban Meyer, if this happened, right. let's say. Right. If he goes out and does an interview on HBO like that, I'm going to believe Urban Meyer and the Jags organization. I'm going to believe the worst organization in whatever sport you want to throw out there because that was about as that's the least credible he could have possibly appeared. I think it too. He appeared intoxicated, and if he wasn't, he appeared really dumb and not knowing what's going on. And the whole thing, his explanation for taking the jersey up, none of it made any sense. And the whole interview was a big contradiction. Yeah, I think the other side's got more credibility no matter who it is, Chad, because it's the third time because the Oakland stuff was ridiculous. Well, the, the end of the Pittsburgh stuff was ridiculous. The Oakland stuff was ridiculous. The New England stuff was ridiculous. Here you are, fourth time being ridiculous. So the other side's got more credibility merely by not having a history of being ridiculous. Uh, he's not getting any benefit of the doubt. Then when he appears unstable on this uh, unstable I'm talking like uh, you're you're thinking maybe he was drunk or something 
I don't think it was that. I didn't. didn't Glossy eyed. I didn't think he was drunk. Um, I thought he was high. (laughs) I mean, I'll I'll be honest. Like he looked like a guy who was high. He looked very. He he looked very glossed over. Yeah, he doesn't look normal. Or in a normal state of mind. I, I don't know that he was. I have no himself. knowledge of it. I'm just saying his eyes look like someone. It looked like a glazed donut. His, uh, both of his yeah, eyes did. He, he was very slow to respond. You would think the priority here for the lawyer is we got to look absolutely normal here. You know, present ourselves in the absolutely best light. And I failed to do that. Well, but consider this. Um, and I don't feel nearly as strong on this as, as Paul will. But this is putting the ball in the tee for Paul. Um Drew Rosenhaus separated himself from this guy. That's all you need to know. Rosenhaus fired his client uh, from working with him. And Set, at one point, Rosenhaus completely was, walked was away happy from to pick up this guy's laundry. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy, oh, this, the this, guy at one time was going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This new attorney's now picking up his laundry. I can guarantee that. Just watching this interview, he's probably doing whatever Antonio Brown wants him to do. And And... I mean, there's a reason why. I mean, here, here's where I do buy it. I do buy it that Tampa did not want to release him for fear of another team claiming him at the time. That's why, I mean, we went three days from the press conference after the game in New York to when they actually made a move, which was on a Thursday, I believe, um, and made a roster move with him. So the whole backstory about what they're offering him in order to place him on a non-football injury list, and there may be another list, um, that they they were going to place him on, but um, I buy that uh, them Jason like calling up his attorney or agent and saying like, hey, don't spend this any other way. Here's two hundred grand or whatever the number ends up being, and you're going to go and do this and don't spend this any other way. To me, that's plausible and that makes sense because it, it sounded like that week the NFL and Tampa were going back and forth on how to handle it. And this sounds like it may have been a little bit earlier on that timetable, maybe not. But, I mean, he's offended by the offer of money. He wanted the bonus stuff desperately. I don't think it's so terrible to have some kind of negotiation to end things there, whether it was at the end or whether it was earlier than sure. that, uh, knowing the ankle. Uh, you know, I don't have a beef with Tampa Bay trying to negotiate something yeah, but, to but end the, it. The odd thing about that, though, is um, if you don't report, it's on the player. You're at breach of contract. So if you don't cut the guy and he walks out, he quits in the middle of the halftime and then doesn't report for practice or whenever you're doing that, which would be Wednesday, you place him on a a, a DNR list, did not report, just like you would for training camp. And to me, there there are clauses in every player's contract where you go back and recoup some of the things that you would have given them up front. I mean, I haven't heard any of this. Uh, the, the example would be Isaiah Wilson with the Titans. I don't know how much of that money the Titans are trying to recoup. Yeah, well, I but think they, did, they certainly didn't settle there. with him. I think it would have been different there because Antonio Brown had played up to the point where where Arian said get out. Yeah, but but as a player, you can't just walk out of your contract and expect the team just to fulfill all financial negotiations. Yeah, well, you would have certainly had the, you they're had certainly the not going to call you and offer you more money. Well, if they're giving you the two hundred grand or whatever, you're signing something that says you're paying me the remainder of my salary and this two hundred grand, and it's it's. But there has to be a reason for that. That's my only right. thing. Like the only benefit of the doubt that I I come up with with Antonio Brown on this is if you're if you're quitting on your team, you just wipe your hands clean of it. If you're Tampa and you move on, you don't call up and offer a couple hundred grand to get him to go on some list. Oh, I think we're in the clear of the quitting on the team. He didn't quit on the team. I mean, it's clear. Uh, you know, maybe he quit. 
in that moment because his ankle wasn't good enough. I think we all give credence. He had a bad ankle. I don't think there's any yeah. doubt about that. Uh, the, you know, but I'm talking quitting, I'm talking quitting maybe. like storming off at halftime and doing what he well, did. He was, and then, told to, uh, he was told to get out. I mean, I think get out meant I think get the said, hell out of the, the huddle. Bruce Arians' account is something bench, like you're not, done. Go, yeah, but not you're go finished. to the locker room. And maybe I'm missing a, a, a very easy detail with all this. But in, in again, I can't think of an ins, uh, a, a, a situation where a team has a player who doesn't want to be there. And then they call him and say, hey, will you take this money not to report? There's something going on there. And, and I, again, I'm not buying the entire story of it. But I, don't, I can't come up with another reason other than they want him to sign this so that he keeps his mouth shut. I and he's he, refusing to do that. I mean, it seems to me like he wanted to be there. Uh, like, if it was ideal for him, he would have wanted to be there and rehab like a normal injured person, d- disappointed over not reaching his incentives. But, I mean, was that asked last night? What did you want at that stage? I mean, I, I thought again. He wanted his thought, bonuses without well, Brian Jumble did a good job asking all the the right questions, and it came across Chad as he wanted the ability to not have to play and get the bonuses because of the ankle, and he was cleared <clears throat> based on the 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 team's view of his ankle, which I mean they didn't hold him down and force the Toradol shot, but if you're cleared to play and you're active and you're playing on the, the ankle that hurts, you're going to take the painkiller in order to play because you're cleared to play. Right. Um, so in, in, in a way, that's how his hand was forced there. He's saying that he, he, didn't, he wasn't up to playing, but yet he was cleared to play. Well, some guys, would, some guys who are 12-year veterans would say, you're clearing me to play, but I, I don't feel up to play and I'm not a Toradol guy. I, I can't go. You say that during warm-ups, or you say it before warm-ups to give them – you say it on Friday if you have to, to give them time to I, to make their I roster contingency plan. I, I'm not saying that he's in the clear of any of this. So he's not but, a clear communicator and all of that. You're not relying on him like I'm sure Julio Jones with the Titans who had hamstring problems all year is clearly communicating that with, all, hey, you might think I'm ready to go. I don't feel – you know, whatever the conversation is, the Titans are clear on a Friday and on a Sunday – about his availability and ability to go, whoever's dictating that with the ultimate thing. And sometimes it's going to be the team. Sometimes it's going to be the player. He needs to shut up. Yeah. He needs to He is not a reliable narrator. If you watch the piece, you'll understand that. He needs his lawyer talking for him. If he's got a story and they actually have documentation, which they claim they do in the interview, about this offer of $200,000 and the emails and everything else, emails with the general manager back and forth. If they have all this, present that, let your lawyer talk, uh, show some gumption if you're the attorney, and shut him up. That's, so that, these interviews should be done with his attorney and not with Antonio Brown because he is a very unreliable narrator. So uh, Brown jumped in last night and he was like, hey, these guys at the Bucks offered me two hundred grand for me to go to the crazy house. And uh, and forgive me if I'm wrong on that, yeah, but that's, 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 what, he that's said. what I really said. And then... Gumble jumps in and says, $200,000 for what? And that's when the attorney steps in, steps in and says, uh, the offer was for Antonio to basically sit on the sidelines, go on some list, which to, I'm jumping in here, that would be the, the non-football injury. Because, here comes the second part, to commit himself to some form of intensive mental health treatment. And we were specifically told in writing by the general manager twice, don't spin this any other way. 
And that's when Gumble jumps into the defamation lawsuit. I don't think uh, it could be non-football injury because it's clearly a football injury. So I don't no, think no. I, I don't think that. No, he's talking about mental health. That's what they're telling him to do. They wanted him to go for intensive mental health. Oh, treatment. okay, yeah, that NFI. would be non-NFI. Yeah, that's and that's what Calvin Ridley's on NFI. Right. Sorry. So that's yeah. that's the list that they yeah. wanted to put him on. And they were going to pay him to go there. I don't know if if a guy is out on the team that the general manager calls up and says, "Hey, man, you want some extra money to to not show up?" I've, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, but is it against the rules, technically? Like, is it illegal? Is it against NFL rules? We don't know any of the details of that. It doesn't sound good, but is it technically some kind of crime or violation? No, I'm not saying there's any violation, but I'm saying it gives credence to there's There's something behind the scenes of of why they don't want him to spin it any other way. That's the only thing I'm, I'm just trying to... Come yeah. up with a plausible explanation for why they would want to well, do that. Well, this story's not going anywhere, so we're going to have plenty of well, uh, opportunities to continue I, to talk about it. I'll just, I'll just I'm going to continue to ask questions yeah. instead of just assume that nothing was done here and he just lost his mind at well, half. I agree, but spin it any other way. Part of it could just be, I, I, I'm, I'm taking the buck side right here. Part of it could be, you have no idea what this guy's going to say. So in, in a regard, you're giving sure. him $200 just to shut up, disappear. Here's two hundred thousand dollars. We're going to put you on this list. We know you've got a bad ankle, <laughs> and we want it all to be quiet so we could go about our business and try to repeat. It, it is all a mess, and I, I I agree with the Bucks on this. I want it to go away, um, but but who's up for but, interviewing him next? Because they they'll as take you the if AB turns. The right. story will continue to evolve. Nine openings across the NFL, but expect one to drop very very soon. We'll get into the coaching searches across the league. And Big Poppy to the hall, but the other hitter left out along with the pitcher of his era as well. That's next on Outkick 360. So Aaron Rodgers says he's going to make his decision sooner rather than later in order to let upcoming free agents know what's going on with the offense like Devontae Adams. That leads into... Part of the Coaching Search Rumor Mills. Welcome back. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. We start, though, in Jacksonville, where it's expected that Byron Leftwich will be named their new head coach uh, later today or uh, as soon as uh, tomorrow as they finalize deals uh, with, with Leftwich and potentially the receivers coach in Tampa Bay to come with him to be the quote-unquote offensive coordinator. I don't know if, if Byron Leftwich calls his own plays as a head coach or if he turns things over, my guess is he'll call his own plays. Um, but pairing him up with Trevor Lawrence after uh, what sounds like a second interview that went very, very well yesterday. So oh. Leftwich to Jacksonville, and he was the guy I was, I was watching for there whenever we discussed this last week. So Adam Schefter worked hard to poo-poo this after the report came out from Rick Stroud. who's very good on Tampa and Jacksonville. In, in it was actually Florida. from someone else late last night uh, that put it out, yes. And I'll, I'll give credit in a moment, but continue. But, but Schefter then did one of these things uh, – Look, Schefter's not had a, a great stretch here in my estimation, estimation of a lot of people. But oftentimes what people who are trailing do or used to do was, uh, you know, somebody who really had it would say, yeah, this is about to happen. And then the weaker person would come behind. No, it hasn't happened yet. And then uh, it would happen. And then this person would say, oh, now it's happened. The trailing person. Now it now it's happened. When, when you're trailing like that, usually the better thing to do is just – shut up and realize you're you're beat uh 
So it's very unlike Schefter to do that, but he's doing that to pay somebody a favor, you know, in return for maybe ultimately winning it, you know, saying five minutes before the announcement that, that left, which has the job, which isn't really winning that story. The person who reported it last night that it's on the verge of happening. So it's this, it's quote, a, unquote, a guy, a, a, it's a guy who hosts a, uh, uh, Jags podcast named Dilla. And that's, that's all I know. Uh, but I, those, I know is that a first or last name? It's a, it's a, uh, Madonna kind of name. Okay. Oh, one. So it's a woman. No, I don't know. No, oh. no, no. But it's like that kind of name. Yeah. Are we supposed Sting? To, do I assume Dilla is man or woman? Like, is, it, is it Dillo if you're a man no, and Dilla? Is this like, I think it's a man. As a newsbreaker, is this the Eklund, <laughs> uh, the hockey version of the NFL, Dilla? It's uh, no, very interesting. It's, a, it's a, maybe the Eklund of the Jacks. Okay. Not of the NFL. We could spend well, an entire segment now on one-name sports reporters, just going into some one name, not not two, with Ek- Dilla. Eklund is my favorite. The Giants, and by favorite, I mean least favorite. They've completed uh, their second head coach interview uh, with uh, Brian Dayball of He's Buffalo. They are going to continue to I, – I, I tend to agree, Paul. They, they say they're going to continue to chat with people. Like So you've got the Bears. They had a follow-up interview with Jim Caldwell. And today, Ryan Poles, the new general manager who's from Kansas City, who is now uh, in Chicago, he's going to talk with uh, Matt Eberflus, and he's going to chat for a second time with Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn – is also one of the finalists in Denver. And that ties in Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Um, what'd you guys make of the story? A friend of the show, uh, Jordan Schultz, last night put out a, a video, a 60-second snippet of like a theory that's out there. Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, of course, it's Matt LaFleur's offense, but Nathaniel Hackett, who's been an offensive coordinator at multiple stop, stops, including Jacksonville, um, who is in well with Rodgers and Adams and has been there. Players like him. He's very fiery and emotional, if you've ever seen him behind the scenes in some videos. Like, the guy would be a great college coach. That's his approach in a meeting room. He's always different in coming up with ways to spin a game plan and getting people motivated. Um, he has interviewed again with Denver and the thought is that if they land him that it could be a package deal for Devontae Adams pairing up with Aaron Rodgers and somehow figuring out a way to get both of them in Denver I think it it is as plausible as any Aaron Rodgers not retired and not in Green Bay story that could be out there it makes a ton of sense to pair up with offensive coordinator you know that Devontae, it doesn't surprise me at all that Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers want to hook up mm-hmm. wherever they go if it's not in Green Bay, and it's probably not going to be in Green Bay. Um, and for those so that, it doesn't, this doesn't surprise me at all. It makes, it, it makes a lot of sense. And for those that, that are saying, well, you know, Rodgers makes sense because he's, he's on the outs with Green Bay's front office, so is Devontae Adams. I mean, they, they've been at odds too. So there, there, there are storylines that kind of piece together with all this. I, I would ask this though, Paul, if you hire Nathaniel Hackett, for Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, but if you knew that you weren't getting those guys, would you still hire him? Well, that's the question. I, I they think have you, to ask. I think you have to because look, you could lay out that plan, but there's no guarantee that plan happens. Right? No you, guarantee. You have to have your coach first, and you can't. I mean, there could be some backdoor stuff and everything, but it's tampering to go too far with it, and something else could happen. There's a lot of time between now and 
you know, you can make the trade now, effective March 16th. Um, but you can't do the Adams thing. And look, is that Denver's best allocation of resources based on what they need? They've got Jerry Judy. They've got Cortland Sutton. Well, They've one of those got guys Tim would be Patrick. Traded. Yeah. One of those guys would be traded to Green Bay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yes, it's their best allocation. Let me answer the question for you. Yes. Getting Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is the best That's allocation the for anyone. To, to, I mean, you're right. It's a crowd. Because, situation. yeah, they're going to, it's not going to be Judy, I'm guessing. But can you imagine Jerry Judy? Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, Melvin Gordon, how that offense is transformed in that moment, and Nathaniel Hackett, his offensive coordinator, their offensive coordinator in Green Bay as the head coach. I'd I'd be wary if I'm a Denver fan of getting real excited about this until I'm a doubting Thomas until I, uh, I, I can touch it, see it for myself. Right, but you're excited because the one thing that's keeping you from competing is the quarterback's situation. Well, he, oh, and here's the craziest part about all this. And I'll I tweeted this last Rogers night. part alone, by the way. Well, I tweeted this last night with a story. Uh, the team's for sale, and Peyton Manning's a part of one of the ownership, the investment groups that's going to buy it. And the thought is he's going to be head of the front office, head of football operations for the Broncos. So not only that, not that it matters in year one if this happens, but you could be looking at a Nathaniel Hackett, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams with Peyton Manning as the John Elway figure in the front office, president of football ops, president of the Broncos, whatever you want to call it, that's definitely something uh, to consider. Well, that that would be road. very interesting. That's, that's not going to happen anytime soon, uh, the ownership switch. There's yeah, way, too, way too much red tape to go comb through for that family that argues over literally every sentence on any contract. Well, it's it's going through this year, though. It's, I mean, it's it's officially going to be for sale this year. And, and then, then they, have, they, then could, they take the take highest bid, then they take it yeah. to background checks, then they take it in front of the league meeting, which and would be next, uh, next year. Three quarters uh, approval. Well, exactly. either way, I don't care if it's this year, next year, two years from now. If Aaron Rodgers is still playing, just the fact that we saw Manning do it with Elway at the end of his career, if that's the pairing, that's something to follow. Yeah, but you oh. could also, I mean, you could also... Um, take the situation the the unknowns of the ownership situation would scare me a bit. That's why you have to look at it from a short term. It would scare me if I'm situation. the head coach or, that's or taking the job or a player. I mean, uh, uh, for a big contract, I'm saying big moment. Yeah. If if when Manning was on the move, there, I mean, he absolutely wanted to know about ownership situations on, on why he was choosing where he was going absolutely. and pinpointing uh, visits he was taking. Rogers to me would be along those same line, uh, line of thinking. Um, and there's no guarantee on who ends up with it because it's a blind bid, uh, at least at first. You, you place your bid, and they take you know, the highest bid, and, and based on the rules of it, Go they have me. to take the most money. They can't take the guy that they want to own the team or the ownership group that they hope wins the bid. You've got to hope that they come in at the highest bid, How which is, expect, is which expected to be you know, $4 billion plus. Yeah, $4 billion. That's, so, that's insane. Can you imagine blind bidding on something that costs that much money? <laughs> that, that's that's some scary stuff because you put that number in that envelope, you know, it's kind of a price is right thing, you know? Or uh, right now, it's hard to go wrong. 3. With the 9, NFL, everybody wants million? in. Is this enough? Should I add one more 100 million? The, the one thing I wouldn't be able to bank on is the ownership in Denver because of, because of the the timetable 
of all of it. Listen, I, you're going I, there I because they're set into, up to win. Yeah, they're, they're, they're they set have up the, to win. But you know what's set up to win? Playing against the the Bears and the Lions every year. Sure. That, that's set up to win. Yeah, but you're, I mean, half the league is set up to win now. Right. You're getting seven teams from the AFC in, and Denver, even without Aaron Rodgers, was playing up until week 17 this year with a chance to get in. Uh, their defense is right up there with everybody. And then you've got the the young talent on offense. You have some semblance of a run game that came to life late. They're, I'd rather be in the NFC. It's the best situation for for this type of scenario where you, you're making a trade and it's a plug and play and you're ready to go out of the shoot. Yeah, that AFC West uh, gets very – it's already interesting. It gets very interesting from a quarterback standpoint if it's Rodgers in Denver – Mahomes and Casey, Herbert with the Chargers. That's fun. That's a fun uh, six-pack of games throughout the, throughout the season to watch. So nine, nine of the 32 jobs are open right now, technically. Again, we see the doors starting to close on a couple of these decisions. But the name that I've heard only briefly is Josh McDaniels. I have, I've and not heard it at all. The, the rumors are he has been quietly putting together a staff if he can get the Raiders job. That's that's what people uh, you know that are just circling and compiling sources are throwing out there. There's no, I don't know if there's anything to it or not. No, no talk with Houston. No talk of no. Houston. I haven't heard anything on that. But the 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 only thing I saw was hey you know th- there have been rumblings that behind the scenes he's making some calls in case he is in the mix for the Vegas job. But in thinking about the off-seasons, if not now, when? You have nine organizations that were open. And if you're sitting around waiting, I mean, we've gone through Houston and Jacksonville last year. Um, there were a couple of uh, – Philadelphia was open last year. I'm trying to go through all the new coaches – and if not, if you're Josh McDaniels, at some point you've run through every one of them except for New England. Well, who's who's asking? I mean, that's my question is it's not so much him not wanting. We haven't heard his name on all these huge interview lists. I, we've I really n- wonder if Nine he, names attached to nine jobs, and I haven't heard his name on most of the list. I really wonder if he unwittingly committed NFL head coaching suicide with the, the Indy deal. And what went down there? Because we know these owners are tight knit; they talk. I know they're also going to hire someone they think is just heads and shoulders better than anyone else. If they think they can help their team win, and they'll be the first to do that. But the way that all went down in Indy that led to Frank Reich, you wonder if he's been blackballed a bit from getting looks as a head coach when he turned down that opportunity. Um, that that's the thought I've had I because, think at least because some, he's not John. even being discussed. At least some. He's not being brought in for interviews. He's not that that surprises me. At least some teams have to be saying, I don't want to deal with a guy that that's capable of bailing on something. I think if like someone that. talks to Combined Dolphins ownership, the- they're also getting the same vibes out of them. Brian Flores is difficult. We've talked to Armando Seguero about this. Terrible people manager, rub people the wrong way in the building, can't work with them. So if someone in ownership that's got an opening talks to Stephen Ross and they trust him, Stephen Ross could be saying, and I hear McDaniels is the same way in the Belichick tree. And oh, by the way, we've got an example of it in both Denver when he was a head coach and when he strung Indy along and then 
went away from the head coaching opportunity with them. Well, you the, know, Gi- the Giants. I don't know. I don't know that, but that's the first thing I start thinking when I see him Giants, not though, even getting an opportunity. And Patricia was like that too, and Judge, you know, had some of the similar qualities. The Giants, though, have done a lot. Of, they've talked with Brian Flores a lot. They're and uh, the reports are there that they really like him, but they, what Chad's saying, they're doing their due diligence to figure out what the issues were in Miami. And they've got a, a Buffalo connection that makes Dayball uh, a, a, a very strong possibility there, too, I would think, based on Shane, their new new GM, coming coming out of, uh, out of Buffalo. I, I, uh, I, I agree with you. The McDaniels thing is, is fascinating. The other thing could be, you know, maybe Belichick has told him two more years or, or whatever, and, and it seemed like when he decided to stay – there was a lot of talk about the potential that they told him, you know, you're the heir apparent. Now that could change over time and everything too. But if you're the heir apparent in New England and you like Mac Jones and, you know, now I don't know that that's so great to be the guy after the guy. You know, I'd rather go try it somewhere else as opposed to trying to replace him. But he is getting up there. I mean, John Shire is about to be the head coach at Duke, and he's in his mid-30s taking over for Coach K. And there's no hesitation taking over a great program like that. The Patriots are a great franchise with really good ownership. And if anyone knows that, it's Josh McDaniels. So I would have no hesitation doing that. Let me also say, I don't feel bad for Josh McDaniels at all if he is being blackballed from every other job. He's got a really good setup. And he had a chance to be a head coach, and he said no for a second time. With Indy, had a chance, had a chance before that, was a head coach. And if he decided to come back and be offensive coordinator for Bill Belichick and has a chance to be his successor, that's a great spot for him to be in. Well, and his successor could also imply that he's also the general manager. That's what Bill Belichick is. Or if not the general Good manager, point. would have a, a heavy hand in, in, in personnel matters, certainly. And you're working for Robert Kraft, who is... Phenomenal. Yeah, I, I mean... Is, is as good as they come as far as ownership is, is concerned across the league uh, and, and holds a lot of power across the league. Um, one of the few that everyone turns to for all these decisions. All the TV money, all the decisions on networks, Robert Kraft is ahead of that committee for ownership. He's ahead of all the network negotiations. Just to name a, a version of, of something. Very that influential on all, all fronts. Also influential, um, our day-to-day walks of life. Uh, because they inspire us to come in here and complain. So inspirational. Primary complaint is next on Outkick 360. Get inspired. It is time for one big thing on every NFL game. A quick reminder, we've got Armando Salguero, who will join us in 20 minutes. And then in the third hour, five massive questions that could ultimately determine the results of the divisional weekend. At least one big thing on every NFL game for the teams involved. We start, and we'll just go in order of the kickoffs, guys, and and chime in where you see fit and how you see things working out. Something to consider in the matchup for Tennessee and Cincinnati. Can a team that is so reliable on the explosive plays win a game against a team that is a better overall team than the Bengals? I do believe, and I think the majority of people would say, the Titans are a better team than Cincinnati. I also firmly believe the Bengals are totally capable of winning the game on Saturday because of what they do so well, and that's the explosive plays. Cincinnati had 21 non-red zone touchdowns this season. That's the most in the National Football League. 
11 of their 52 touchdowns on offense were for 40 or more yards. They get after it. That is a they get after stunning it. number. The Titans have allowed 245 passing yards per game. And that is the eighth most allowed in the NFL during the regular season. So a lot of people are seeing that stat and they're thinking, okay, this doesn't add up well for the Titans advantage Cincy. And it very well might be. It's been advantage Cincy in this category throughout the year. But the Titans have done a really nice job of not allowing the explosive plays. You know, they allow some chunk yardage, but not the 40-plus touchdowns. Those don't happen very often. You know, the, the last, I think the, the, the most explosive offense they would have faced throughout the course of the season, the most recent, were probably the Rams. Correct me if I'm wrong yep. on that. Because they, they beat the Chiefs, and then they played the Rams and did a, did a nice job against that high-powered offense. Robert Woods still in the mix for that. Yeah, he was. Last week against the Raiders, Joe Burrow pressured on 13 of his dropbacks. He was 5 of, uh, five of 11 on those 13 plays. He threw for a touchdown on one of those pressured throws. And can the Bengals linebackers take away the layup passes for Ryan Tannehill? A matchup to watch in this on on play action for Ryan Tannehill is the intermediate route across the middle in the quick breaking route to A.J. Brown or to Ferkser or maybe on third down, potentially Hilliard. Can can the linebackers for Cincinnati take that away, get the football back to their offense? Going back to your big play potential for Cincinnati and that being a factor, Paul, where did you say Cleet Blakeman's crew ranked in terms of uh, What's throwing nice crew? flags? Sixth. Well, That's the, the thing, well, though. Cleet, it's not his crew. Yeah, it's the all-star crew. But sixth, um, I could see pass interference deep down the field being a factor in this game uh, with the Titans and with Cincinnati's receivers. I think one of the more tried and true plays in the NFL is to throw it deep, and when the receiver comes back to get the football, you get a cheap pass interference penalty. I could see two or three of those playing a factor in this game. Especially with the speed of Cincy. And especially with, you know, T. Higgins, who's 6'6", and guys getting physical with him down the field if they throw it up to him. I, I could see I could see those being enormous plays in this game. Paul, what's the latest on Jackrabbit Jenkins? Good to go. No issue today? Well, Tier Tart is questionable, and that is it. I'm not on the injury report any longer. He was yesterday. Uh... I, I didn't look to see what he did today. Uh, everybody part. But he's playing. Yeah. He's no playing. injury designation, I think, is key there for Jenkins. 